Page 19. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true, each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold, and they are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's look at these verses together uh, from Psalm 19. Um, we've been going through, well, last week we started into this little summer series called Heart Songs. It seems like every church in the country is doing a series on psalms. Maybe that's what we all do uh, in the summer. But um, you know what? They're so good. The psalms are just so wonderful, and um, they're not really a summer thing. You can read them any time of the year you want. Um, but uh, we looked last week at um, one of the psalms, and uh, I can't even remember the, what psalm it was now. Anyone rem- remember what psalm it was? Intimacy. Anyway, the theme was intimacy. What was it? What was it? 20? Something? I, I can't remember. Anyway, it was, it was memorable. It was a memorable sermon. And uh, the, the content, even if the details escape us, the content was, was bang on. So um, really pleased about that. Um, this week, we're going to be looking at Psalm 19, which Amy has just read for us. Um, and the theme, really, of Psalm 19, uh, or rather the thing we're going to be sort of considering under, is, is revelation. Heart songs. Revelation. Uh, last week we had intimacy, and it's all about you know coming closer to God and, and knowing God more, and, and just you know, uh, you know drawing near to Him, and He will draw near to us, and that's just a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful guarantee and a promise that He will do. And so we're understanding about why we'd want that intimacy and how do we get it. Um, but this week it's kind of kind of connected. Um, Psalm 19 then directs us to learning about God. So we desire this intimacy. We want to know about Him. How, how do we? Where do we access this information? Where does it come from? Um, so what we'll see over the next few minutes as we look at Psalm 19 together uh, is, uh, first of all, revelation. is sort of revealing of God. Revelation is, number one, displayed in the skies. Uh, number two, uh, revelation is defined in the word. And thirdly and finally, revelation is discerned in the heart. Okay? Displayed in the skies, uh, defined in the word, and discerned in the heart. First of all, then, it's displayed in the skies. C.S. Lewis, the great writer, local lad. Uh, said on his reflection of the Psalms, he said, this Psalm, Psalm 19, is the greatest poem in the Psalter, you know, the collective name for all the Psalms. And he said, it's one of the greatest lyrics in the world. 
So that means that what we're about to read and think about together is pretty special. If C.S. Lewis can write that, and he knew a thing or two about books, if he can say that about Psalm 19. Psalm 19 quite simply teaches us, if you want to know God, look up and see him revealed there. First thing you do, look up. Revelation is displayed in the skies. Where do we get that from? Well, Psalm 19 begins uh, by saying that the heavens proclaim the glory of God uh, and the skies display his craftsmanship. What, what, what the psalmist is saying is that the heavens, the skies, whatever term we want to use up there, is actively revealing God to us, his glory, his, his power, his creativity, the grandeur, the massiveness of who he is, even his transcendence. They say to us, in effect, God did this. Isn't he amazing? Day after day, it says in verse 2, they say this message. Night after night, they pour forth speech. They are shouting his name every moment, continually declaring his praise. And yet, it says, we can't hear a sound, an audible sound. It's not a voice like the voice you're listening to just now. And yet, their message is unmistakable. The beauty of the heavens in their movements, in the, the rotation of the planets, in the light that they emit. They are roaring the praise of God. And everyone can see it. And in verse 4, the second half of verse 4, 5 and 6, zooms in and sort of focuses then, out of all the, the heavens, focuses in on the chief body in the sky, that is the sun. And the sun is kind of part of this, this heavenly chorus, this heavenly shout of praise. Uh, we could say maybe the sun in this is taking a solo. It's the soloist, you know. And, um, and here it is, the sun being presented by the psalmist in this song with poetic language, uh, full of life. The, the sun is full of vigor, much like a bridegroom after getting married or an athlete, you know, uh, it says there, uh, in joyful anticipation of the race before it. That's how the sun emerges every morning. And it courses across the sky. It says, uh, you know, full of life, full of energy. And every day, every moment that the sun does this in our experience, it is fulfilling the God-given role it's been given. And it fulfills it with joy and passion and vigor. See all this imagery, the heavens singing and the, the sun, you know, making its journey across the sky. It's all part of, you know, it's all poetic language, but it's all sort of part of the thought life, you know, of the ancient Near East, the, the, the concepts of the day. They, they would have understood in their cosmology um, the heavens uh, almost like a huge and enormous tent or a canopy stretching across the sky. And it was within that tent that, that, that housed the sun. And that's where we get this sort of uh, this idea from, this language. And unless and, and, and we think that they're just being stupid and, you know, uh, we're, we're so much better now with our modern thinking, they were just simply describing what they could see. You know, they were simply... And if you sat out under the stars on a summer night uh, and, and you lean back and it's a clear night, the, the sky does kind of look like it, a ginormous canopy, doesn't it? Um, floating there, massive, and, and, the, and the sun obviously then making its way through that. But there were, there were uh, you know, that, that was the, the best understanding they had based on their observations. Today, cosmology is different, it's developed, you know, we've been leaning on the insights of 
Galileo and Newton and Kepler and Copernicus and, and many modern physicists and you know, astrophysics and so forth. And our understanding of the planets is much more developed, solar systems and galaxies with all their stars and constellations, etc. In fact, this week, I don't know if you caught it, and we have a picture on, on behind the screen here of, of some of the first pictures from uh, what they call the James Webb Telescope. Uh, the James Webb Telescope. Have you got it? That's all right. That's okay. That's not it. There we go. There it is. Um, this is a picture from the James Webb Telescope, one of the first snaps ever seen. Um, the most advanced telescope in the world. It costs over $10 billion. That's a lot of money. Uh, they've been researching this thing for about 30 years. Eventually put it up in the air last year, and it's just returned this week, uh, or it's been released anyway this week, some of these most uh, advanced pictures in the world. The, the telescope itself has got these most sophisticated infrared sensors uh, known, known to man. And uh, what we're seeing here, this snapshot here, uh, we're told, is a, a, a glimpse of some of the oldest and therefore some of the furthest away parts of the universe ever visualized. And, and what, the, what the, the, um, the infrared detectors and sensors on this incredibly sophisticated telescope have been doing has been capturing infrared light, so to speak, which they estimate is approximately 13 billion years old. That's how long it's taken for this light to travel from what we're looking at and be photographed by the telescope. One uh, commentator on this particular picture said that these tiny bursts of light, these little red blobs here and there, are galaxies containing trillions of stars. And just so you know, a trillion is a million million. And one of those little blobs, and you know, you could probably spend the rest of the day counting how many blobs are on that little snapshot there. One astronomer that was interviewed regarding this amazing finding said that what we're seeing here in this picture is equivalent to holding up a grain of sand to the night sky. That tiny portion of space that will be behind that grain of sand is what we're seeing here. Just imagine, therefore, the immensity of what's out there. The heavens declare the glory of God. And so far from modern science reducing our need for God, discoveries like this simply increase our knowledge of the size and the splendor and the glory of the cosmos. The psalmist looks at the skies and he is in awe at the sight. This stuff preaches God, it reveals him. That's what the psalmist is teaching us. And of course it's true, they're not, not all people who look up into the sky or gaze through telescopes conclude that God made it. There are people who think that all that is, is, uh, is just the result of a random impersonal forces that just produced this stunning level of complexity. But it's interesting, when you read the reports, either in the paper or online or whatever, uh, when, when they talk to these scientists and these specialists, what comes up is beaming faces, unbridled excitement from these people. These people are just so switched on. And I think that is revealing. Because their excitement, their enthusiasm at this amazing discovery 
of which this is just a, a drop in the ocean. They're unwittingly saying that this universe seems to have some kind of meaning, some kind of wonder, which is evoking from within me, perhaps even some transcendence, although they would never use these words. Otherwise, why are they so excited about it? If it's just random forces, then we should just say, yeah, so what? But they're just expressing, I think, what Psalm 19 is making clear. The heavens declare the glory of God. So if Psalm 19, verse 1 especially, is true, if this stuff does proclaim the glory of God and display his craftsmanship, then how can we see God? How can we hear God as he is displayed in the skies? Well, surely the simple answer is to look up. Just open your eyes and look up and you will see something of the revelation of God. Pull up a seat, drink it in. You know, it's summertime, we've no excuses. We're about to have a heat wave, they tell us. And so the evenings will be warm and you may not want to be uh, lying in bed. Now's a perfect opportunity for you to go outside, pull up a seat, look up and just drink in something of the expanse of the sky that you can only see with your eyes. And yet that alone will be enough to evoke glory and wonder and praise if you let it. Why don't you spend time looking at the, the blueness of the bright summer skies that we are currently having? Why not spend time thinking or being aware of the blinding light and fire of the sun? Don't look at it, it's bad for your eyes. That's what I tell Eliza. That warm glow oozing in late summer. The heavens declare the glory of God. The dynamic shifting clouds above us, never staying still, always moving. The shooting stars, which are evident at this time. They're not really stars, are they? They're meteors. Uh, are evident at this time of the year. This continual source of revelation of God. Just allow those things to, to grow your wonder and your, your enchantment, your amazement at what God has done. It says that it's there day after day and night after night, and yet we don't always see them. We don't always get the message because quite often we're in a rush, aren't we? We're totally distracted by life. It might just be that we're untrained to search for the amazing in the skies. Maybe just we're undisciplined. For many of us, and possibly I count myself in this exhortation, we need to learn to slow down and delight in God. We can't rush and get to know God. Study what is around you. Immerse yourself, whether it means taking yourself on quiet walks every now and again, going to uh, remote places, hills, beaches, whatever it is. Focus on that one thing that grabs your attention. Linger. Enjoy it. Notice it. Put the phone away. You know, help, let's help our kids to, to learn, uh, to, to, to enjoy wonder. Um, in fact, I think kids are better at it than, than we are as grown-ups. So maybe they can teach you a thing or two. I remember um, going up with um, my family to you know, the, the Divis and Black Mountains. Uh, if you've been up there, it's very, very near to us. Very uh, wonderful little spots. Owned by the <laughs> National Trust, it's free. Just going up. And... Uh, there's a particular part that just always strikes me every time I go up. 
um, maybe about, let's say, 25% of the walk. You know, you, you're in this, what feels like a natural bowl, hills all around you. And um, uh, particularly this time of the year, it's, it's almost incredible because you, you, you hear the sound of skylarks, these little birds that just sort of hover. They're hovering over their nests, actually. They hover in the air. And when you go up there, you can, you can hear, hear not just one or two, but often you know, dozens, maybe 50 of them, all hovering all around you. And because of the natural bowl of where, where I'm standing, where you're standing, uh, it's, it's like 3D, 360 degree sound. It's beautiful. But the, the, their song is so, um, well, I'm getting sort of uh, sentimental here, but it's so, um, it's so melodic, it's so happy, it's so joyful. And, and you're just standing there and, and, and surrounded by these joyful skylarks singing, declaring the praises of God, as the psalmist would put it. Um, and so you can stop and, 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 uh, and listen and allow those things to stir your heart. So revelation, as we're seeing here, is displayed in the skies, the heavens declare the glory of God. But the second thing we see then in this text is that revelation is defined in the word, and it shifts. There's a, there's a dramatic shift, isn't there, in verse 7. I've just been sort of thinking of the sun, the, the stars, and the expanse, and all the rest of it. And then in verse 7 through to 11, uh, it shifts to uh, revelation through God's word. It goes from the general up there in the sky that everybody can see to the specific, sort of down here, I suppose, in the, the, the writings that only some can, can see. Uh, We can learn much from the heavens, from creation, there's no doubt about that, but it's not sufficient to know God as he wishes to be known. Okay, we can know about God, but we can't know him personally by staring up in the sky. Verse 7 teaches us then, the instructions of the Lord are perfect. Um, This word instructions here in the original Hebrew is the word Torah. Torah. Uh, is, is translated in different uh, phrases throughout the Old Testament, but it generally refers to the teachings, you know, as we see here, the instructions uh, that God gives to his people. Um, most, most likely to the psalmist who wrote this, um, the, the, uh, the instructions of the Lord uh, are referring to the Pentateuch, the first, what we consider now the first five books of the Bible, you know, the, the books of Moses. That is, that is commonly known uh, by later biblical writers as the law, or the, as I say, the Torah, the teachings. And, and through that law that God gave to Moses, uh, God established clear requirements uh, on how his people should live. Uh, and, 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 you know, as we go back uh, some time ago, we see that uh, Moses went up Mount Sinai. All of Israel was sort of gathered at the, the foot of the mountain. They'd just been released from Egypt, from slavery. God's delivered them. Uh, and then he gave them his, his law, he gave them his Torah. Uh, and, and through that, we see what God is like. Through the words, through the, the, the actual law itself, we see how to live. Uh, we, we, we see how to know God and, and, and how to know life. So he gave his people specifics through, through his words. Goes on to describe, sort of opens up this concept. It's all really referring to the same thing. His decrees, it says, are trustworthy. The, decree, the commandments of the Lord are, are right. Uh, the commands of the Lord are clear. The reverence of the Lord is pure. The laws of the Lord are true. Revelation, you see, is defined by the word. But the difference between this and looking up in the sky is that this 
gets really personal. Do you, do you notice, for example, that in verses 1 through 4, particularly in verse 1 and verse 4, um, it, it talks about God. You know, the heavens proclaim the glory of God, and then God has made a home uh, for the sun. That, 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 that translates the word El uh, in Hebrew, which, which is just a sort of, I suppose, could be considered as the generic word for God. Um, but then do you notice in verse 7, it flips and it says, the Lord, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, the decrees of the Lord. And you can see, I, I think it's in your, in your, in your sheets, uh, they're in capital letters. Um, what's, what's that getting at? Uh, the, 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 that is flipping then to the uh, covenant name, the personal name of God, uh, summed up by four Hebrew letters, Y-H-W-H, or we would say Yahweh. Uh, the personal name of God. Some time ago, you may know the story, Moses approached the burning bush out in the wilderness uh, and God sort of calls him to lead his people um, into, into freedom. And, and Moses says to God, who shall I say sent me? When I'm going back and telling the story to the boys, uh, who, what, what, what shall I say is your name? And God speaks and he says, Yahweh. That is my name. That is my personal name. I have a special relationship. You call me Yahweh. I sometimes say to my daughter Eliza, there's not one other person in this world that can call me daddy. Everybody can call me David if they want, but only one person can call me daddy. And in the same way, God is saying to his people Israel, there's only, only you can call me Yahweh. Everybody else can know me as God, but you know me by my actual name. creation we can know God we can know his power we can know his supremacy his bigness but here in the word we can know his heart we can know his thoughts we, we can we can know what he wants we can we can know how to live for him we can't discern this in the galaxies but revelation as we're saying here is defined in the word but look at what happens then when we engage with the word, you know, the, the teachings of the Lord. Um, it, it gives us these amazing descriptions of what happens when you engage with his word. It revives your soul. Mm. It makes wise the simple. It brings joy to your heart. When you engage with God's word, it gives insight for living. It says in verse 10, they are more, the teachings of God are more desirable than gold. They are more delicious than honey. There is warning there. There is reward there, but it tells you how to live, how not to live, and the benefits of doing so. Delighting in the heavens will lift you up, but only so far. Delighting in the instructions of the Lord is greater still. How do we do this? If you want to experience and know the revelation of God, if you want to draw near as we were thinking last week and, and know intimacy, or even if you want to know what it's like to have the reviving of the soul, how do you do that? Well, for David, uh, as the writer of this psalm, he would have thought of the, the Torah as we were thinking, the books of Moses. But for us, today we have the entire scripture. Yes, we have the books of Moses, the first five books of the, the Old Testament, as we would call it. But also we have the Psalms, we have the songs, you know, the, the heart songs of the people of Israel. We have their poetry. In, in, the, in the scripture here, in the Bible, we have the history books. 
you know, which, which, which show us in, in, in warts and all how God has dealt with his covenant people Israel over the years and how he has saved them again and again and how he is full of grace and mercy to people who don't deserve it. We have those testimonies in our Bible. We have the sermons of the prophets who, who, through whom God was calling his people back to himself and saying, I'm a God who forgives you. Come back to me. We have the wisdom literature, like the Proverbs and the book of Job that give us uh, the instruments to live a wise, godly life in this present age. We have the Gospels that, that, that help us to understand and, and learn the life of Jesus and his words and his teachings and his actions. We have the apostolic writings, the letters and so forth that explain and expand and show the implications of Christ's work on behalf of his church. This, this is our source material. And if what the psalmist is writing is true, this is to be desired more than gold, even the finest gold. This stuff is, is more delightful than even the sweetest, most wonderful 10-course a la carte Michelin three-star restaurant you'll ever go to. This stuff is more delicious than that. And so the, the psalmist just guides us to eat and chew and savor the word of God. Immerse ourselves in it. Listen to it. Obey what God is saying through it. Follow him. Famous bit in Deuteronomy 8 says, Man does not live by bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You've heard it. There's a great section in, uh, later on in the Old Testament in Ezekiel 3. I think we've got the, the text up here. Yes, uh, this is God speaking to the prophet Ezekiel. He refers to him as the son of man in this stage. And, and he said to me, this is Ezekiel, God said to me, son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. The scroll was covered in the, the teachings of God, the word of God. Then I ate it. And it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. Much like when we look at the heavens, in order to see and savor God's word in scripture, we must slow down. You know, a great meal cannot be rushed. We're just so good these days, aren't we, in our modern society of piloting, piling it into ourselves so we can rush off to the next thing. You can't put the word of God in a pressure cooker and just down it in one. So let me offer you um, a few little pointers, um, some steps, you know, some, some necessaries and then some sort of uh, additional means that we can use to, to um, receive the word of God defined in, in scripture. Um, what are those necessary steps then we need to sort of take into our lives as, a, as almost like our regular meal, you know? Um, First of all, Bible preaching. It is essential that you come under good Bible preaching every week in the local church. Um, and and the, one of the characters and qualities, therefore, that is essential from that Bible teaching is that, that it's clearly from the Bible. Uh, and that uh, it helps you to see and understand the text. That's what I labor to do. That's what we labor to do here at Foundation Church. We're not the only ones to do it if you're from another church. 
God bless you. But that's what you want. You want to hear God's voice through the scripture to help you understand what it's saying. We don't, I don't advise you listen to any coat peg preaching or springboard preaching. Have you heard of coat peg preaching, by the way? No. It's where, it's where, it's where people will take various verses and sort of pin their ideas on them, but they're, they're sort of unrelated and there's no, there's no flow, a bit from here and a bit from there. That's coat peg preaching. Springboard preaching is where they read something and say, aha, the subject is, and then off they go and never once refer back to the scripture they've just read. That's, that's springboard preaching. You want to avoid those. They're not helpful. Avoid anything where Christ is not the hero. Christ is not the power uh, for you. If you're the hero of the story, then uh, I suggest you find a different preacher. So the first necessary step is good Bible preaching every week. The second necessary step is daily Bible reading. Those of you who are of a certain age will remember um, a record store called HMV. Remember that? Is it still going? I don't know if it's maybe gone bust or something like HMV. HMV stands for His Master's Voice. And certainly when I was a boy, uh, the, the, uh, the sign of the record store was an old-style gramophone with a little dog, which was like a Jack Russell, listening intently uh, in, in the big sort of, um, you know, speaker of the gramophone. And the idea is that the gramophone was reproducing his master's voice so clearly, so wonderful the technology in those days, that, that the dog thought, you know, could hear his master's voice. And so, and so I think what, what we need to do in some similar ways is, is learn to discern his, uh, your master's voice. And, and that happens when you not listen to a record from HMV, but when you open the scripture and you, and you hear God's voice. You need to get really good at tuning into that and hearing it. And so I recommend, in fact, I, I think it's a necessity um, to, to read the Bible every day. Um, if it's as sweet as honey, why, why would you not want to? Um, so where, where, where would you start? Well, you can start with the Psalms. You know, you start with Psalm 1 and do a Psalm a day if you want. If they're long, you can break them up. It's okay. Um, if, you, if you're unfamiliar with the Bible reading, you might want to start with the book of Acts and just see what God is doing through the, through the church and the early church. Again, a chapter a day or a paragraph a day, you can take one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and, and, and again, take a, take, a, take a section, a chapter, or whatever. There are plenty of Bible reading plans online. Uh, Bible in One Year is a, is a good one, uh, written by, I think, or, or steered by Nicky Gumbel, who does the, the Alpha course. So that's, that's, a, that's a cool one. There's a good app with that. Uh, reading groups such as the community Bible reading that we do here at Foundation. Either way, daily Bible reading. These, these are necessary things I think every person has to do um, under God, you know, everything. Um, there's some additional things you can do to help yourself as well, to grapple with God's word. Um, anything that's going to help you see the big picture of the Bible, so that's either advanced theology course or, or books such as a book called God's Big Picture, uh, which teaches you the overarching storyline of the Bible. Any courses you can go on, uh, like Cornhill or Bible College courses, they can all help you. They're not necessary, but they can help you. Music can be a great addition to hearing God's voice, hearing the word. Um, it's a great addition. Uh, some music's great, the sort of Christian music. Some music is not so great as Christian music. But you know what? It can really open your heart. It can really, he's laughing. You know what I mean. Uh, it can really augment and, uh, you know, uh, help us understand and hear God's voice. Uh, another additional uh, tool is other teaching as well, either through podcasts or YouTube. We can access some of the greatest teachers in the world, can't we, through, through online media. However, it does come with a warning. Uh, that warning is that that should supplement what you are receiving in the local church, not replace it. 
uh, should supplement, not replace it. Because uh, whether you're connected to uh, you know, Bethel in Reading or Redeemer Presbyterian in, in Manhattan or wherever you happen to zo- listen into, that's not your church. Uh, your church is where you live with your people. Your preacher will preach to you. Uh, he will love you or sh- care for you, the shepherd of your soul. You don't get that online. Yes, it's a wonderful help. It's a wonderful addition. Um, but it's only to sort of um, augment what you're already hearing. Bottom line is this. The more we engage with God's word, the more we will taste the sweetness and the more we will commune with God himself. Revelation is defined in the word. And thirdly and finally then, we see that revelation is discerned in the heart. Um, This is sort of the final stage to the process, I suppose, Um, yet it's crucial. It's, 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 It's crucial that we complete the loop. Um, Otherwise, we can gaze up at the sky and be amazed. We can study scripture and and be filled with knowledge, uh, even in awe of the excellencies that we read and see in scripture. But if it doesn't move you, then it hasn't done its job. You haven't done your job, so to speak, because revelation is discerned in the heart. If God has opened your heart uh, through, uh, you know, uh, the sky and, and through his word, so to speak, then you'll know because you will say with the psalmist in verse 12, in view of all this, how can I know the sins lurking in my heart? When you've really received the revelation of God, you will become aware of your state, you'll become aware of your situation. The grandeur of God, he draws near to you in your word, he beckons you to come, but often our first response is, but I'm not right, I'm not all right. We might say as we study all this stuff that, you know, in light of your excellencies, in light of your majesty and your purity and your righteousness, who am I? I'm just dust. I'm just carbon. In fact, I'm worse than dust. I'm rebellious dust because unlike the rest of the dust in the universe, I've rebelled against you. The stars haven't. The trees haven't. I have. I've turned my back on you. Your revelation, God, is is perfect, as we're saying. It is trustworthy. It it is right. It is clear. It is pure. It is true. And I am none of these things. When the God of the universe comes down to me, what will he find? God help me. Stuff will be hidden in your heart. It must be. It says here, sin lurks around. You know, it hides itself in the shadows, in the, in the deepest um, recesses of your heart. The deliberate sins, you know, the ones that you do on purpose, you know about them. And he's asking here, isn't he, for uh, to be prevented from them and, and to be made innocent. But What about the sin that I can't see? What about the sin under the sin that makes me do the first sin? What about that? Help me, God. Forgive that sin. What can I do? I can do nothing. How can I I come to you, God of a trillion stars, and have intimacy with you when all this is going on inside me? I think one of the the reasons for the the goodness and the the sweetness 
of God's revelation through the word is that it shows us the, um, the central character in the story. Um, in one of my daughter's books, starts by saying, every page whispers his name. And that character is Jesus. It's the son. And the, the Bible tells us by revelation that through the son, all things were made. And all things are held together by the sun. So what the James Webb telescope is peering at is the crazy amount that the sun has made and sustains every moment. That's what the scripture teaches. But it also tells us that that sun took upon himself human nature and he became one of us, became one of you. He did that to show us the Father. He, 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 he lived for the Father. He, he, he desired the Torah, the teachings, more than gold, finest gold. He, he considered them to be sweeter than honey, even the honey dripping from the comb. That's what Jesus did. He lived out these commands perfectly, these teachings. And the revelation of God tells us that this son, this divine son of God, went to the cross. Just imagine that for a second. There's an old song that we used to sing back in the 80s. Said that hands that flung stars into space to cruel nails surrendered. You know, he did that so that you can be cleansed from your faults. You can be freed from your guilt, as it says here. He did that so that those sins cannot control you. How did he do it? In the words of another song, God looked on him and pardoned me. Uh, that is more stupendously sublime than anything that the James Webb telescope can photograph in a billion years. It is more profoundly, gigantically, breathtakingly awe-inspiring than any bit of photograph from 13 billion years ago, the very edges of the universe. When you see the revelation is displayed in the skies and when you see that revelation is defined in the words, then for you, revelation is discerned in the heart. That means that you accept that revelation as true. It is right. It is pure. It is trustworthy. It is perfect. And it is all those things for you. Then you will know God. And then you will desire him. And, and then he comes to you and he will establish that intimacy with you. And he will empower you with his Holy Spirit to live for him. Then it will revive your soul. Then it will make you wise. Then it will give you insight for living. Then you will join with the heavens and the skies and you will proclaim the glory of God. 
when you accept that as true, then the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart will be pleasing to your Father, your rock, your Redeemer. Let's pray.